I'd like to speak to the topic of forgiveness this morning, relay a story that deeply impacted me. I've shared this before, but 37 years ago, I remember it because it was the first year Char and I were married. We were out in San Diego, California. Um, I was directing a teen challenge center, and in that we had a girls' home. We did a, a number of prison outreaches, and we're also doing street ministry. And uh, one of the jobs was to interview prospective students. And I had a young woman come in, and uh, she was snarly and surly right from the get-go. And at some point, I just go, you know what? I didn't ask for this. And I didn't go, you know, you're the one looking for help. And so I'm going to do some digging. You know, I, you know, there's a reason that you're angry at me when we've never met before. And so I started asking questions, and it came out that she'd been sexually molested by her brother. He had gone on as if nothing had ever happened. She was left with the wounds. And, you know, in looking at that, I guess one of the things that deeply impacted me was that for her to find health, she was going to have to do it without him. She was going to have to find a way of releasing that without his action because he, he wasn't interested in even talking about it. And that's one of the things that I think, you know, one of the major issues that we wrestle with is the struggle to release first, so to speak, or be willing to let go of the need for justice or revenge, in a sense, to be able to trust God or to just say, for my own health, I have to let go of this. Those are, those are very complicated issues, and it's not simple, but I've watched it enough and I've participated enough things to know that it's essential to our lives. Let's start with the Lord's Prayer. When, when they came and asked him to pray or teach them how to pray, he went through a number of things, and then he says, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. The first point that he, the, the only point in this prayer that he gives opportunity for us to have interaction that, that requires some kind of response by us is when it comes to this thing of forgiveness. Up to that point, we're praying, you know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Give us this day our daily bread, you know, those kind of things. And then it gets to this forgiveness. Forgive us our sins, but it's also as we have forgiven. And so... What's even more amazing to me is that when he gets to the end of that form, so to speak, he revisits this thing. If you have forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So he revisits it. Not only is it a call to action on our parts when we pray, but he revisits it as saying this is really an important topic. I want to review a few things. 
Who has extended forgiveness first, you or God? Well, God hasn't violated you, and you have violated his command. So obviously, that's he's the one that reaches out first, right? Okay, so if we're going to imitate him, there has to be a willingness in our hearts to approach an issue first. If we're following through on imitation, right? Secondly, who has participated in sin repetitively, us or God? And so if there's a forgiveness that's going to be extended for repetitive sin, it's going to come from him to us, right? So if somebody has violated relationship with us repetitively, and we want to imitate God, what's that going to look like? Is a repetitive forgiveness, right? <laughs> There's a reason we grow up in families. <laughs> and little kids are taught early on, say, I'm sorry, please forgive me for this. And a couple hours later, before they want to eat again, they'll say, okay, please forgive me, and quit throwing a tantrum. You know, it, it's very difficult for any of us to let go of our pride to, to ask forgiveness. But on the other side of it, there's this ongoing daily thing of mistreatment of each other. If, if you have two kids, you know what I'm talking about. Three, four, five, it doesn't really matter how many. That's part of family life. But it's part of the bigger thing as well. And it's essential that we understand that even in repetition, that God is continuing to release us. It's like Charlie's mentioning the, uh, you know, coming to the Lord, still getting drunk. You know, some people are released from that immediately. It's just like, I know this needs to fall off of me. Some don't get over it right away. But they still find forgiveness when they come back to the Lord. And so there has to be a willingness in us to, to release others repetitively as well. And then also in regard to severity. Now, all you have to do is, is look at a few war pictures or anything else to recognize that the horrors of what can take place are, are un, very, very unsettling. And none of us wants to participate in that. But even in that, if people are going to go on about their lives, they have to find a way of releasing those that have wounded them. Or there never is going to be a full health. It's essential that we recognize in the Lord who committed the greater sin, us or God. Well, he didn't. So it's obviously us. When you go back to Adam and Eve and in the garden, the implications of their sin went beyond just them, right? All of us die as a result of what started in the garden. Now, we've piled on a batch of our, our own. 
but there's a taint on our lives that comes through grandparents and parents, us on to the next. It, it's just there. Some of, the, of our own failure gets pushed on to others, and, and we want to go, well, how does this get turned? How does it change? And there has to become a point where we go, only in God is this possible that a cleansing come and a transformation actually take place in our lives. And so if God is willing to even look at the severity of a situation and extend forgiveness, if he goes to the Apostle Paul who before he comes to the Lord or before that confrontation is putting Christians to death, and God says, I want you. I want to work in your life. I want to work through you. Then there's this knowledge that he's willing to forgive us as well, no matter what we have done. So in imitation of Christ, even severity of things, there isn't a threshold that says, well, no, that was too much. We don't get over this. Now, obviously, the question becomes, well, how do you know if you've forgiven? And I can't, I'd love to be able to define that perfectly. But for myself, I, I look back at past experiences and say, if they don't set off an emotional alarm anymore, to me, in a sense, they're done with. You know, if they don't, if they don't trigger something of this negative response where I'm waiting for my payday, waiting for them to get theirs, or just, you know, this agitation and anger. You know, if, if, I, if I can look at the, the history of that, and it's not coming up every time I think about stuff, but it's just, you know, it's a, it, yes, it's in the memory bank, but it has no sting left in it. To me, that's been a release. Now, obviously... It's good for us to go in whenever possible to dialogue and get those things straightened out. But we can't just wait for that. We have to be willing to step forward first. We have to be willing to, to in a sense, like Christ died for us before you and I were ever born, right? He died to pay the price of our sin. He appropriated forgiveness before we ever were in a place to embrace it. So that his death and resurrection was there and in place and ready for us as soon as we would turn to him and ask for his forgiveness. So in a sense, he had already done all that could be done until reconciliation was, was sought. And in some ways, that's what we attempt to do in life with others. We put ourselves in a position that says, Emotionally and, and mentally, I've, I've set myself in a place to say, I release this person. And there's the opportunity for reconciliation with them if, if they reach out. I can extend it, but it's not, it's not accepted or it's not reconciliation until both parties participate. 
Let's go through just a, a few more things. In Matthew 9, there's the healing of the paralytic. Jesus addresses his sin first. You know, some guys bring him in, and they're hoping to see him healed physically. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And, and everybody in the room is going, what? And he says, oh, so you know that I have authority over sin here, be healed. You know, and, and the guy gets healed as well. We'd be freaked out by the healing, but Jesus says, there's, there's more here to be done. And so he's not just about the physical healing. He's saying, yeah, yeah, yeah I can take care of that, but let's, let's take care of the thing that has eternal implications. And he releases him of his sin, but also then heals him physically. Uh, in Matthew chapter 18, Peter, again, with this idea of repetition, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven? You know, that's... Seven times in a day is a lot, right? I mean, I'd be hacked off with one. And two, stop messing around. Three, four, five, six. Seven. We're ready to just slam the door and be done, right? And Jesus responds 70 times seven. And the idea is you don't reach that threshold. There's no end in sight. You have to be ready to let this go over and over. And what he does is he follows it up with a story of, of the unjust servant. He says, you know, there was a servant who owed, well, in this story, it's 10,000 talents. It's a lot of money. Thousands and thousands of dollars. And he's about to throw the man in jail, throw his family in jail, just take everything he has. And the servant says, please forgive me. And the guy releases him. But then the guy that's been released goes out, and there's a guy that owes him a few pennies. And he, he, he shakes him and says, give me what you owe me. The guy doesn't have it, so he throws him in jail. And the others that are watching go back to the original master and say, you know what this guy did? Jesus says, what do you think is going to take place? There's a, a declaration in this. He says, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. You should not have you had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And so he says, you go to God expecting to be released. I mean... I am grateful that that's one of those truths that's sunk home in my life. When I go to pray, I, I know that He releases me. He is loving and compassionate, and He desires a relationship over revenge. And so He keeps in a position that opens the door. He says, I want that in your lives as well. There's another story. This is a, something that actually happened with Jesus. He's invited to the home of a Pharisee named Simon. And as they're eating, they're reclining, which in that day would have been like laying down and dishing yourself some food. Sounds kind of like fun, right? But anyway, um, they're reclining 
it says a sinful woman comes in. And she's weeping. And pretty soon her tears are flowing on his feet. And then she's wiping up the mess with her hair. And then she's taking some precious oil, ointment, alabaster, it says, pours it on his feet and then continues to just wipe that in. And uh, it's a messy situation. I remember <laughs> a couple years ago looking at this going, there is no way in the world that I could endure something like that. I'm just not in a position to emotionally, mentally, this is untidy. This is much more out there than what I'm used to living. But when you look at the, the intensity of it, what's taking place? She's going, I want peace with you. I want relationship. And she's willing to pay any cost, you know, where she's bringing the most precious thing that she has. She's weeping. You know, I'd like to be set free. And, and so she is, she is recognizing the purity of Christ. She's recognizing the wholesomeness of what's there, and she's just going, I'm unworthy of this. Talk about groveling. This is it in extreme. Now, Simon, he's, he's at a place of going, this is going on in my home. He's not liking it either. And so he draws this conclusion. He goes, if this guy was a prophet, he'd know who's doing this. In other words, rejection is what he's saying. Why would you let this go on? You ever had a time where you're just weeping before God? Will he accept me? Then they're done that. Very close to this story situation. Just didn't have them in the flesh. Give you anything you want. I just need peace with you. Jesus goes back and he addresses it. He says, I entered the house, you gave me no water for my feet. Common in that day was foot washing, a lot of dust on the trails, not the shoes like we wear. And it was just, it was a, a nice provision. He says, you didn't give me a kiss when I came in. You didn't give me that greeting of I'm really glad to see you. Traditional for that day. She's been kissing my feet, he says. You didn't give me any oil to put on my head. You know, that just out there in the heat, another nice thing done for people. You didn't do that, but she's poured it on my feet, no less. And so he asked the question, who feels like they've been forgiven more? Who appreciates this more, one who's been forgiven a little or one who's been forgiven much? And I think there are times when we walk ourselves into place and going, 
man, I'm living pretty righteous, so, you know, yeah, I'm glad that God forgives me, but not that big a deal. When in reality, all of us are in that position of saying, this is perfection that I'm dealing with. This is one who doesn't sin. This is one who has loved me perfectly. And I'm asking to step into relationship. And so in this situation, Jesus says, this gal's done all that's needed. But it, even in the, uh, the final part of this story, there's a powerful statement made. It, it goes like this. It says, uh, you know, people are just going, who's this who even forgives sins? You know, because he's told her, your sins are forgiven. But he says, your, he says to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So he's not saying it's, it's, it's not so much about the act. is that you came to me with a heart of contrition. You sought relationship with me. There was a faith in you that I would receive you. He says, that's what sets you free. So you and I, when we're, when we're walking through things and, and we're going to the Lord, it's not about, I've been consistently in church, I've been consistently reading your scripture, I've been consistently praying. It's the faith that says, His provision is enough to forgive me. It's the faith that says, He will accept me. That washes away our sins not what we do to earn this position. It's astounding, even on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. The fact that even in the moment of extreme suffering, he's releasing. Again, severity, that's about as severe as it gets, Right? but he's releasing. I want to finish up with one passage of Scripture. Uh, This is out of Colossians. This was a New Testament application of this principle. Colossians chapter 3. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, Meekness and patience. Then I think he, he's locked into this patient idea and he, and he gives a little blurb with it. Bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. So he's, he's saying... We're developing this community together that seeks to personify what Christ has done in our hearts and for us. And so we're, we're looking to be compassionate and caring of each other. We're looking to be kind and humble, meek and patient. And the the playing out of that patience is a willingness to forgive. And he goes on, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. 
Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. I missed the opening verses when I just went through this, but he had made this declaration, uh, we're no longer Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, Barbian or Scythian, slave or free. He says, we're not Republicans or Democrats. We're not black or white. We're not rich or poor. You know, we're not any of these things that have a potential of dividing us. But what we are is a, a forgiven community that seeks to function together in love for one another. And, and so he says those, those identifiers that often separate people, it's not enough to separate in this community. It's inappropriate. He says, what we're about is living like Christ has lived, and he forgave, so we forgive as well. Let's summarize. Neither the volume of our sin nor the severity of it is going to limit God's forgiveness. Therefore, neither the volume of our wronged or the severity of how we've been wronged should keep us from forgiving others. We experience forgiveness as we practice forgiveness. Some that are wrestling with, will God forgive me, probably have not worked through the dynamics of forgiving others. And if you're a, a very exacting person that requires, you know, revenge or settlement each and every time somebody wrongs you, I'd almost guarantee you haven't discovered how loving our God is and how He really thinks of you. And finally, we are seeking to become a compassionate community that lives in this together. Stand with me, will you? Some things don't release themselves very quickly for us, right? But we keep at it until it takes place. Sometimes we've wronged people and we know it, but there's a pride in us that just says, I am not going to go ask forgiveness. Well, <laughs> you want to live in your sin? You're going to take care of it. So this morning, <laughs> we're going, okay, God, if I have, if somebody has wronged me and I've been harboring something, I ask you to take that. And show me how to deal with this. And if it means releasing them, then help me to release them. If it's a situation where I have offended someone, 
And I have a way of re reconciling that and restoring that for their own peace. Help me to be that agent that would uh, extend that and to go ask forgiveness. Lord, forgive us our sin as we forgive others who have sinned against us. Help us to recognize how gracious you've been at seeking us out first and making appropriation for our forgiveness and salvation in you. Thank you that you didn't consider repetitive sin and say, well, it's just too much. You've crossed the threshold. Thank you that you have even seen the severity of what we've done and it's not overwhelmed you. Help us to live accordingly. Amen. Quickly, um, Pastor was declaring that verse at the end about if you forgive others, you'll be forgiven. There are, there are some of you here that have struggled with a sin that you have not been able to get free of. And it's because there's unforgiveness that you need to release to receive forgiveness of your own. So if that's you and you need to and you need to come up or just grab someone to pray with beside you. It requires a verbal declaration of, I forgive this person who wronged me, and you will experience forgiveness of your own as well. So deal with that today. Don't, don't leave here and try to do it on your own. When God's doing it, you have to respond in the moment. So that means coming up or just grabbing someone, but, but take care of this right now. All right, Mike. I know. <laughs> There's uh, the incredible thing in Christ is that He frees us from things that we didn't think that we could be freed from, and it's astounding how even relationally He's able to take away pain that we didn't think possible to live without. And, and so I just I, I put that out again. I. I've experienced things like this. And there's many in this room that have walked through similar things. Do I know the specifics of your case? No. I just know the specific one who sets us free. It's available. So let's continue in that. I'm going to ask for God's blessing upon you, remind you there's a meal downstairs, and we'll continue to just worship the Lord and see where it goes from there. Blessing rests on these your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it is to be free in you. I ask as each goes into the community that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. I ask that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. Thank you.